Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Hey, I'm Stanley, by the way, if we haven't met um, before, it's great to uh, you know, just be able to gather together, share around. I'm going to talk around God's Word for, for a little bit, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to look for the invitation of God. We're going to look for those things. What is it that God's just kind of tapping on our hearts about for this moment, for, for this season? And uh, we, each and every one of us, individually but also collectively, just want to be listening for that. But I have discovered something really, really quite fascinating over the years. And uh, that is that not everyone thinks like I do. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Hey, don't clap. (laughs) Not everyone likes the same things that I like. Not everyone even makes the same decisions that I make. Not everyone thinks that peanut butter and banana on toast, come on somebody, it's a great combo. Not everyone thinks that talking about cycling is a great thing to do. Not quite as such enthusiasm for that one. Yeah, I see, I see. This has really got me though. Not even does everyone like coffee. What? What? Even, even my wife, whom I love very much, who I have utmost respect for, does she thinks some crazy stuff about life. You know, when we're early, early married, we go away on holiday. Uh, and she <laughs> and she'd think that a good time was a good book in the sun, you know, just finding a sunny spot and just getting lost in a good book. What? What? When there's like a world to explore and like time to explore it while you're on holiday. Let's go for a run. Let's go climb a hill. Let's play a game. Let's go for a swim. Whatever. Just just go and. Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. <laughs> Anyone else ever discovered something similar that not everyone thinks like you? <laughs> and when it's um, you know when it's lighthearted stuff, it's uh, you know it's one thing. Uh, but sometimes those differences can actually lead to some some tension, some conflict. And, and we need to learn as people to navigate through them, right? And especially as a community of faith, it's important that we learn to navigate through that with each other. When we're sitting next to someone or we're doing life with, with people around us who think different to us, like different things, make different decisions, land on different conclusions... Over these next four weeks, we want to dive into a bit of a series, The Things We Do For Love. The Things We Do For Love. (laughs) Friends, family, neighbours. 
So not just a, a, a romantic setting or marriages and so forth, but just with other people, with, with the people around us. You know, how do we, how do we navigate through it? How do we, how do we do this well with the people around us, the things we do for love? And uh, as we track through this series, we're actually going to take quite a bit of inspiration from a particular uh, book, uh, and uh, the, I've got a picture of it, uh, of it up on the screen, When the Church Was a Family. So Joseph uh, Hellerman uh, has written this great book, and so kind of throughout the series, we're going to dive into some uh, of the content from within that book, and obviously thoroughly recommend it. It's a, it's a really great thing. Joseph himself is a New Testament um, a scholar and teacher, a pastor as well, and has some great wisdom to share. And particularly today, I'm actually going to base a lot of what I want to talk about uh, from that book. I'm just going to pull some pieces out of it uh, and apply it you know, for, for us here today because it's got some really great helpful things in it. Uh, for example, the opening sentence of the book says, spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. Just stop and think about that for a second. Spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. So, you know, just cast your mind back a few weeks, we've just come out of doing a spiritual formation series. So much of our lives, spiritually, are shaped by the people around us and the experiences around us. And in order for us to, to grow, in order for us to step into those things that God wants us to walk into, the reality is that we live in such an individualistic uh, sort of culture at the moment, right? And it's really, it can be really tempting uh, and easy for us to... Just think about, you know, as long as my personal relationship with Jesus is sorted, then that sort of, that sort of others piece, that community piece, that being shaped by others, it can be a little bit of a tack on, a, a little bit of a sort of oh, take it or leave it, uh, you know, if it, if it works and cool. But the reality is that if we live out our journeys of faith in that way, we actually sell ourselves and the people around us so short. And yes, of course there's challenge in it. There's, there's stuff to navigate through. But that's okay. There is incredible benefit in us stepping into being genuine, authentic community, family, together. The things we do for love. And so today what I want to do is just to set the scene a little bit for this series. I want to talk about a couple of key aspects that we see particularly within the New Testament uh, that come through and the way that they uh, are to influence us or for us to be cognizant of as we read them and then sort of flow from those couple of things into, okay, some practical outworkings. What is it that might be some of the invitations that are there for us to step into when it comes to living in this way? Sound all right? Yep. It's probably going anyway. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, we just invite you into this moment. God, we thank you for the power that there is in Scripture and the Bible. We, we thank you, Father, for the incredible invitations that you give to us. 
And Lord, we just pray in these next few moments, would you open up our hearts? Lord, this may or may not be new things that we are hearing or talking about, but Lord, may you, may you t- tug on our heart at that invitation of what it is that you are inviting us into in this moment, for this season, for this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, the first aspect that I want to sort of draw us into when it, in, the, in the context of the way that the New Testament talks about family and what Jesus would invite us into is this thing called strong group culture. Strong group culture. So, I said a moment ago that we live in this very highly individualized sort of culture and society around us, Right? But one of the things that's really important for us to recognize and realize is that when Jesus is talking, when New Testament is writing, they are writing to a strong group culture. All right? So let me just explain this a little bit. Joseph Hellerman. We are individualists. Our personal goals and individual satisfaction take first priority when we make critical life decisions. But the peoples of the ancient world exhibit what cultural anthropologists call a collectivist view of reality. What this means is that for people in the world of the New Testament, the welfare of the groups to which they belong took priority over their own individual happiness and relational satisfaction. Now, there will be some in the room right now and with us online that maybe because of where you grew up or the people that you grew up with or the family values that you had, you may well have some of this sort of more group think sort of you know, way of living where the groups that you belonged to actually did shape a lot more of your own individual decision-making and so forth. But for the vast majority of us, We have grown up in a culture that has, from the word go, dictated to us that it is about me, my, and I. My dreams, my decisions, my career, my plan for my life. Highly individualistic sort of mentality to life, right? Within this strong group culture that Jesus is speaking and the New Testament writers are writing, the family was the closest and strongest group that an individual had. The influence of the family. Classic example, marriage. All right? So we, in general, will choose a marriage partner because of love. We, we will individually... Sure, we might get some input from from some other people. Hopefully we do. But we will make that decision based on an individual decision. However, someone within a healthy, strong group culture will be quite comfortable with the others within their group shaping that decision, deciding for them, arranged marriage. Any young people keen? (laughs) It's just... Now, we could talk all all sorts about the pluses and minuses and so forth, and, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but that's not the point. The point is that this is the type of culture 
that Jesus is speaking and the New Testament writers are writing. Okay? Because one of the, the central social metaphors for the people of God is the family of God. The family of believers. This, this, this picture of we as a community of people of faith to be a family. This, this family language that comes all through, all through Scripture, and particularly within the New, the, New, the New Testament. So when we are looking to live out our lives, and we read those sort of verses in the Bible, it's good for us to... Ah, it's, that family is so important to a person in first century A.D., uh, for example, uh, Galatians 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The family of believers. And this leads us on to the second aspect that I want to just highlight for a moment before we kind of look at some invitations for us. And that is the importance of siblings. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, within this language of family that we see in the New Testament, this, it draws us towards a specific family uh, uh, aspect of sibling in reference to brothers and sisters. Right? So, for example, there's lots and lots of examples, all right? but a couple. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Brothers and sisters. Or in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there will be uh, no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So one of the things that Hallman in this great uh, book points out is the importance of bloodlines, all right, when it comes and, and how it relates to brothers and sisters. So again, first century AD, Bloodline primarily operates through the males in a family, right? So the bloodline flows through the males. So if I'm married to my wife, uh, I will carry the bloodline of my father, and my children will carry the bloodline of me. But Rach doesn't carry my bloodline. So therefore, the point is that blood is closer and stronger than romantic love. So when I have the, because I have the same bloodline as my siblings, my children, whether they're male or female, carry my bloodline. Therefore, if I'm a New Testament writer and I want to communicate something of the strength and the intentionality of close community relationship, I'm going to use language that lands. Brothers and sisters. This incredibly close and strong bond that we're to have as the family of believers. Uh, you may, I mean, we don't, you don't hear it around here too much, probably, but other church contexts and maybe in the time, you know, Brother Sean, Sister Maritza, maybe we should bring it back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
So then, if we're to take this a step further, okay, family, the picture of family within Scripture is important, all right? So if we're to take it a step further, what are some of those invitations that we may see? What do we see God inviting us into in our desire to see a flourishing church community? So if we just sort of shift gear here a little bit. You ready? It's all right making sense so far? Do I do it again? I mean, I can do it again. I'll probably get a bit of the second time. <laughs> lots of them. Through the series, we're going to look at all sorts. But today, I just want to hone in on three specific invitations that we see the Scripture giving us of how we're to live this out, all right? So, the first one. We share our stuff with one another. Simple, eh? In order to step into this, this family stuff, we share our stuff with one another. Perhaps most basic to Christian brotherhood is the sharing of material resources. We share our stuff with one another. You know, early on in the picture of the New Testament church, you know, this in Acts, in Acts two, we see this absolutely flourishing the, the you know the start of the of the church. And one of the things that we see in the very early beginnings of the way that the New Testament church happened was the sharing of stuff. Uh, so in Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All sounds very spiritual, very good, right? Then all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This was in a season of incredible flourishing for the early church. And one of the things that they did within that season was they shared their stuff with each other. Or in 1 John 3, 16 and 17, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? <laughs> now, we may not be able to go down quite the whole group share thing, all right? I'm not necessarily proposing that. But we can step into this, can't we? And actually... Um, I know that social media gets a bad rap, and fair enough. Um, but if you look at our, um, our Coast Vineyard you know, community group, this happens all the time. Even yesterday I noticed that um, the Browns put up, uh, does everyone need a house? <laughs> For a week or two over the summer holidays, you know. But, you know, just that classic, hey, we're going to be away. Does anyone need, you know, got friends coming to stay? They need a house to stay? Just, you know, it's just that classic sort of sharing, sharing of things. And... And I'm sure, like many in the room, uh, I have been on both ends of that equation. You know, I, um, in fact, we were just talking about at our group this, uh, this past week, uh, just the, the joy that it is to actually give and to help somebody else out. Just to be maybe a, maybe a little answer to prayer or just a link in the chain of helping someone's life to be just a little bit easier, you know. Just, and it doesn't, have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be a costly, expensive thing necessarily, 
just a way of us being generous with the people around us, just sharing our stuff. I've, you know, Rachel and I have really appreciated being able to do that for others, to, uh, to give to some friends in need or to have people borrow something that we happen to own. Uh, just uh, one of the classics is kids, kids' clothes. <laughs> you know, your kids grow up, clothes are still perfectly good because they're growing so fast, and you just, rather than chucking them out, you pass them on, you know, does anyone else need that? Well, we, but that's, a, that's an amazing cycle uh, that goes on that we see all over the place. But we've also been genuinely impacted to be on the receiving end as well. Just of people's wonderful, incredible generosity towards us. Uh, again, like many people here, uh, we haven't had family be, ge- uh, you know, actual family be geographically that close to us, either in other cities around the place or at least in another part of Auckland and not, and not that close to us. So over the years, we have seen church family step into that breach and do stuff that family does, like turning up and helping you move house, uh, like uh, contributing meals in a, in a season of need. Uh, like lending us things when we didn't have the right tools uh, for the job. All sorts of things that family sort of typically can step into. Church has been that whānau to us. And honestly, it genuinely leaves me in a place of realising that I do not exist because of my own talents and me. I'm, I'm here... I stand here because of others, because of doing life with others and, and contributing others, having others contribute to my life in that way. It's a powerful thing, just through sharing some things. What stuff have you got that you could share? <laughs> we also share our hearts with others. So as we see this family language come through Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, we see that there is a real warmth of heart that comes through it. It it illustrates to us that there is genuine heart connection, right? So Philippians 4 verse 1, for example, is Paul the Apostle is addressing the Philippians. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. You know, he clearly has great affection for them, doesn't he? We can see that in the, in the language that he uses. Far more than some sort of contractual relationship that he has with them about stuff that's got to get done and churches that have got to get built, there is just a warmth of heart that he has. And it's in the good stuff, but it's also in the hard stuff. It's in the joys, and it's in the sorrows. So again, still the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians 3. He's concerned about them. He, 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 he's worried that the persecution that has come to them has caused them to get off track. He, he's worried and frustrated because he personally hasn't been able to travel and go and see them. And then in verse 7, Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
sibling language again. In all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. He cares about them. It's family. Sharing of heart of the things that have been happening. You know, and for us, we are encouraged to share our hearts with others to the same degree. Where we do this powerful thing of being known and of knowing. Now, we can't have everyone know everything about our lives, okay? That's unhealthy. <laughs> but we can have some. As a church, as a faith community, it's important. It's important that someone knows your story. And it's important for others to know yours. To know what's going on. When someone comes and sits next to you and they lift their hands in worship, wow, I know that your father passed away yesterday. It's important that we know people's stories. Where we share in people's joys and sorrows. Many of you uh, will know this, um, but for Rach and I, about 12 and a half years ago, uh, we had a stillborn child who we named Summer Joy. Uh, you know, it was a, an atrocious, uh, really difficult season in our lives, obviously. And I don't want to downplay that. But one of the things that actually we were really taken aback with through that season. We'd been part of a church community uh, for a number of years. We had been pastoring for a few years. Uh, people, we'd been just doing life with people, you know. We'd been giving of ourselves and people had been giving of themselves back to us. And so when this all went down, we were really taken aback at how people grieved with us. That that they hurt because we hurt. Honestly, there was an element of real genuine sort of pleasant, in a way, surprise in that, you know, that it really helped us. Because we realized that people were on that journey with us. You know, we had shared heart. It's church being family. Hey. We share our stuff. We share our hearts. And I want this to be stirring you to be thinking about the role that you can play within this process, obviously. Because the reality is, again, we live in this individualistic sort of culture, and it can be so tempting when something like that happens in your life, to cocoon yourself away, to go independent, insular, uh, I'm just going to lock myself away for a while before I come and see people again. Uh, I just, I, I don't, I, I... you sell yourself so short. You sell the, the family of believers so short. 
and wanting to be able to walk that difficult journey with you. The reality is that as we walk in here, as we gather here every Sunday together, we've got people in the room who are celebrating great joys, and we've got people in the room who are facing heartache, joys and sorrows. We share our hearts with one another. And finally, for today anyway, we stay and grow with one another. Now, this one, this one might be a, a tougher one to swallow, perhaps, for, for some. Because it really does fly in the face so much of that individualistic sort of mentality. Because our current cultural narrative would be that if it gets too hard, it being a marriage, it being a job, it being some particular situation that you are in, you should go. Just step out. That sort of cancel culture, you know, sort of coming in coming in loud and proud to us. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. People who stay also grow. People who stay also grow. There is incredible power and just simply staying and working it out. Now, please don't hear me wrong. It's not that there is never a good reason for stepping out of a relationship or a situation or a job and so forth. You know, it's, it's, it, when it's healthy and good to do that, of course, there are moments. But in reality, they are the exception rather than the rule. And we can see this come into church life real easy. Where even a, a particular individual sort of uh, point of conflict that you have with someone can cause us to say, I, I just can't cope. I don't, I don't. And we move. We see it all the time, just this sort of move from church to church to church. Again, hear me right. It's not that there is never... Uh, you know, it's not that there's never the opportunity to make a healthy move. But you just sort of wonder, oh, if you just stay and grow and sort of fight your way through that uncomfortable conflict, if you sort of come and you work things out, if we work stuff out together as a people, what opportunity that there actually is for growth and increased love and affection and good stuff that comes on the other side of it. Remember, not everyone thinks like me. <laughs> We've got to work it out. And, and again, scripture, uh, we, we don't have time to sort of dive into it too much. But, and maybe later on in the series we'll kind of circle back to it because it's a big topic. But scripture gives us some great wisdom 
of how to sort of go about that. You know, when we, when we genuinely do have conflict with someone else, when we disagree strongly on, on something, how is it that we can work that out? So, for example, in Matthew 18, it's a great chapter of just how to do healthy relationships. Uh, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. <laughs> that is a novel idea, isn't it? If they listen to you, you have won them over. And then kind of goes on from there about what to do if that doesn't, if that doesn't work. But it's not go and tell 10, people, uh, 10 other people uh, and um, never address it. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> that's not going to help. Get the gossip train going. <laughs> so no, 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 just go between the two of you. Try and have a conversation. Uh, to see if it can be resolved. And it can't then step, step through the rest of the scripture. But there's two really important little elements that come out of that. Firstly, it's family language. You know, if your brother or your sister uh, is, it sins against you, this is within, within a committed community relationship. This is family. And the second thing is that you go to the source of the concern. Going direct to the source rather than to others. And it's such great wisdom for building an effective relationship of any sort, isn't it? But it's quite difficult, isn't it? It's much easier to just go and tell the 10 others and not really deal with it. Not speaking from personal uh, experience, of course. <laughs> Honestly, it's difficult. It's just, but if we want to do healthy community, it's just one of those things that we've got to embrace and to stay and grow together because it's the things we do for love. Things we do for love. Actually, the, um, the final verse of that song actually has some reasonable sort of, you know, advice for us. Uh, compromise would surely help the situation. Agree to disagree, but disagree to part. When after all, it's just a compromise of the things we do for love, the things we do. It's actually reasonable advice, isn't it? I quite like that line. Agree to disagree, but disagree to part. We share our stuff, we share our hearts, and we stay. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.